Wicked Grounds. Recorded live at Wicked Grounds Cafe, San Francisco. Good evening and welcome to our fourth edition of the Wicked Grounds podcast. I am Psycho Kitty, your host, sitting here in the back of the cafe with my lovely co-host, Rue. Hello, nice to talk to you again. And joining us this month is a longtime friend of mine that it's an absolute pleasure to have, Eve Minix. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, for people that are, may not be aware of your wonderfulness, tell us a little bit about yourself. But um, Okay. <laughs> of course, uh, you just told me you were going to do that like two seconds ago, so... <laughs> Um, well, I didn't want you to be prepared. I wanted, you know. Yeah, wing it. That's, that's, that's my style. Um, yeah, so I am a professional uh, dominant, otherwise known as a dominatrix. Been so for a very long time, about 15 years. Uh, started off in Europe and Australia, and then lived in Chicago for a long time. Was coming out oh, to Chicago. San Francisco. Yes, we know <laughs> each other from there. And... Uh, yeah, and used to come out to San Francisco quite a bit, like seven times a year, to teach with the Cleo Dubois Academy of SM Arts, who I still instruct with, but now I live out here in San Francisco. And I do a lot of my own teaching as well, a lot of presentations. And um, I've written a book called uh, Bondassage, uh, Kinky Erotic Massage Tips and Tricks for Lovers. <laughs> and, um, yeah... I don't know what else to That's add. There's probably more, but you know, I forget. Way more, I'm yeah, sure. You, I know that I know you've done a lot. And it's <laughs> always and it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank um, you, thank you, thank you. It's <laughs> I don't know. I I actually uh, I'm gonna uh, Minix was just asking me, you know, Ryan, Psycho Kitty, and I have used both very openly for uh, as long as I've been using Psycho Kitty I've been you know one of the things about having working with the cafe is like I don't have anything to hide from my work so like I'm always comfortable with both either or whatever makes you comfortable oh okay and people can call me whatever they want Mm -hmm. (laughs) I used to tell people they could call me whatever they want because I could hear the respect in their voice Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's my little tagline for a while nice so what have you been up to lately? I know it's kind of like put you on the spot again, but you, after giving us this great list of things that you've been doing and, and some of the wonderful experiences, I mean, um, it wasn't into, I mean, I've, like, like you said, we've known each other since Chicago and go back a long time, but it wasn't until the body storytelling that I knew about the, the Australian, or the, not, it was, it was the first one in uh, France. Oh, oh was the, um, yeah, the coming out the to coming. SM uh, story. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun one. Yeah, that was, uh, I told that a couple of years ago at um, Surrender, at Dark mm. Odyssey Surrender. Yeah. That was, body, a, that was the first for Surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, it was. And, and actually, that's coming up next month, too. And I'll be presenting. I'm doing a game show this time. Oh. So, uh, last year, Minix uh, was like, one of the was a great contestant in my improv storytelling uh, game, uh, Dirty Talk game show. Mm-hmm. Which it was we'll, great, great fun. <laughs> a lot, so much fun, which we'll bring back event- eventually. But uh, Greg has me, you know, it's like, you can't sit on your laurels. You got to do something else. Get that creative spark going. And so he's got me doing uh, Name That Sin this year. And it'll be more of a, a uh, contestant quiz show. Like, I'll give them situations mm. with uh, some written text. And hopefully if I can work it out some video and and stuff and like 
I let them name sins and let players challenge each other. Nice. So going for a, a traditional American game show instead of me stealing a, a format from a British game show last year. Yeah, I think, yeah, most of the formats are pretty stolen anyway, but that was great fun, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you only going to work with seven sins, like as in the deadly sins, or is it going to be... Um, I was planning on going with like the traditional literary sins or re- religious sins and making a big cartoony shtick about it. Okay. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but what I'm kind of sad is that while I love doing the game show, I'm not doing it they, because they have, San Francisco has this problem of having so much great talent. <laughs> they, won't, they have so many local people that the most local presenters are only getting one slot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not doing a class this year, just doing the the game show. Right. So it's like, I like, it's like, what? I want stage time. Pay attention to me. Like, Give no. me the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what class, what are you doing for Surrender this year? Um, I, I'm actually presenting on um, Urban Tantra, which is a, a sort of where Tantra meets urban meets kind of. SM taking taking your your power play dynamics a little bit deeper, and um, it was created by a dear friend and colleague of mine named Barbara Corellis, who actually will be here this week um, presenting a workshop on urban tantra. So the class is called Deepening Power Play Urban Tantra, and uh, it's, uh, to help you know any forms of players who just want to want to really connect more deeply with their partners mm-hmm. and not you know have that kind of disconnected play that sometimes we see in the scene mm. we're looking around paying attention the hollywoodized scene play instead of like you know relationship play mm-hmm. or sometimes i just think um i don't know sometimes people just look really bored which doesn't make sense to me because you know you're playing it's mm-hmm. play it's fun yeah. not connected yeah disconnected. yeah mm-hmm. that always brings up the you know, question of like public play who are you playing for are you playing for each other or are you playing for the audience and yeah, I'm kind of notoriously don't do a lot of public play, but it's not mm. because I am shy at all. It's because I have my own dungeon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't have to leave the house. I can <laughs> do in pajamas. I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about you know people watching me and caring that Eve Manax is playing right now. It's like oh, I can just do you get it. that whole like you Booker Lou. Yeah, I have seen a couple of your videos actually, oh. and um, but my question is is what is your what is your what are your favorite things to do with your partners i mean what it's on the top list like if someone were to ask you to do something you'd be like yes that sounds awesome um uh what, what, what videos have you seen uh, just anything on your website like all the sample teasers and uh, stuff. i've watched those before i moved to san francisco i remember looking it up and being like oh man if i ever met her i would blush and run away oh you didn't blush and run <laughs> away that's so nice i did offer to tie her down if you needed yeah. <laughs> um down for two so yeah i mean we just talked about connection i really am kind of an equal opportunity mm. player i love all kinds of fun stuff um and so what really gets me off is if the other person is really into it as well yeah um i know that sounds kind of generic um having said that though of course there are certain things that completely turn me on like um uh controlling someone kind of inside and out Mm -hmm. so you know that can manifest in any number of ways but usually long-term confinement Mm -hmm. reduction Mm, mind fuckery you know i i do like role play quite a bit so i can play like 
you know, up to five different characters in a 24-hour period without That's going great. insane or anything like that. It's a lot of fun for me. That's actually one of those, uh, I always think of that as one of the rough improv exercises when, you know, 60, uh, uh, like six characters in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, one of my first theatrical experiences was um, I was on stage for 90 minutes and I played five different characters without leaving the stage. Oh, wow. So oh, I had wow. to like, yeah. <laughs> flip from one to the next. Shake it off, move mm-hmm. it to the next. Mm-hmm. Jump. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and then if you want to, like, talk about very specific activities. Um, well, that will just, you know, for the titillation of our audience. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, Eastem is an old favorite of mine. I like all invasive play. Um, urethral dilation, sounding, catheterization. Um, hey, I'm I not just, afraid to. I, I'm obliged to claw, yeah. cross my legs at that. <laughs> I actually learned recently, um, thanks to my foot surgery and the, mm-hmm. I had a slight complication afterwards with the, the anesthesia where I couldn't urinate afterwards. So I, got, I had to get a catheter. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I don't like catheter play. Well, no, I mean. But at least I've tried it. No, you haven't tried catheter <laughs> play. Know, You've I been know. catheterized. I mean, it's a little different. It's a lot different. I, when it's done well, it's. Very sexy. I'm being silly. That's what I do. Have you ever Um, known me not to be silly? No, I've not known you not to be silly. That's true. Um, Let's see. How many negatives can we put in one sentence? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and so speaking of that, uh, and you may know I also have a class called You're Going to Need an Enema for That. (laughs) The Many Ways of Enema Play. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the kind of control of the body that really interests me. Like when you have everything under control Mm -hmm. um um, and yeah i I need a sense of humor i need to be able to to laugh and it's usually kind of twisted and or dry Mm. bondage i'm a big bondage fan of course um i will admit or confess that i'm not a great rope aficionado i'm more of a leather kind of gal Mm. um i like the leather smell feel like the sound of it. Yeah, the creak yeah. of leather is. Yeah. So. I prefer to be mummified more than tied up, actually. Like, I like to be, like, completely bound. Mm-hmm. Not with rope. Just put me in a big sack mm-hmm. and leave Plastic me there. Wrap. Yeah, anything. <laughs> yeah, pallet Sens- wrap actually sensory works surprisingly deprivation well. all together. Mm-hmm. I love sensory deprivation mm-hmm. as well. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. It goes great with Easton. I'm blushing already. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm an erythrophilic. One who gets turned on by, well, it's technically red things, but um, making people blush, making their bottoms red, and spanking them, etc. Mm-hmm. Turns Ca- me so, on. So causing the red. So I learned this. I was like, oh. Can you, what's that word again? Because I like. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. If somebody out there can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's pronounced erythrophilic. Erythrophilic. I believe I it's probably spelled look it E-R something or other. So we have a new vocabulary day for the day. Yeah, I learned it when I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, that is me. I'm, I'm the kind of person, and I will admit this, I will go to a public washroom and not lock the door. And then, of course, the person who walks in is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And they're the ones blushing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting on the toilet like, uh, yeah, no problem. Really. Thanks for the blush. <laughs> that was so non-consensual. Just realized that. Well, you know, audience, you can just take it or leave it, whether I'm telling the truth. <laughs> so. so speaking of, like, role play and stuff, do you also do 
written role play with people that you can't really see in person? I mean, do you have services like that as well? I'm not sure. I understand. Like typing things like long written more long distance long distance role oh, play no 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 i don't i don't you can't see them turn red over uh, <laughs> that's true that's true over text i'm i'm old-fashioned and or i've got some kind of genes i hate i am okay. i don't do i won't even do skype sessions unless okay. um it's coaching sessions and mm. or i've seen the person before and we have an established relationship okay yeah to me there's like a whole there's a lot of things missing in technology. It definitely is difficult to really get there as well. And like tasting the energy of the person in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm doing a lot of written like, because I can't really, I, re- I don't really know my boundaries for playing because I'm five months pregnant, so I haven't really played that much. I've just been like, okay, I'm going to take a little step back for a little uh-huh. bit. Um, but I do have a lot of people who have a fetish for pregnant girls, like sending yes. me like super naughty emails and yes. I've completely entertained them and written back and like fantasized, you know, whatever. Yeah. When you have like that kind of time and you're not I mean, really it's just, necessarily, it's kind of an exploration. I'm not getting it somewhere else. So I just have a good time. Oh, but it's good. It's fun. It's getting interesting. That's for sure. Two words, lactation fetish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I have a pleasing fetish. I just like making my partners really happy. Oh. So, just it doesn't matter. You like lactation? Huh. Well, let's get it done. I got, you like, I got that. You like pregnancy? I got the bump. What do you yeah, want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> I actually have a question that would be perfect for right now, not at the end of this podcast that I'll ask really quick. And that is, um, when did you realize that this path of life is what you wanted to take? Like, when were you like, this is what I love? Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, there's a big trajectory there, and um, there there really was a moment where I was like, oh, I, I found my calling, and this is what I want to do, and this is really amazing, and, you know, the angels sang and all that. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was, uh, it was uh, how do I encapsulate it? Basically, I was in academia, um, I was, I'm the first person in my family to graduate high school, uh, so I decided to become a professor. Um and really didn't fit into academia, but and was always interested in sex. Like I was always this is before like sexology or any mm-hmm. of this stuff. Sex uh, education. The was, modern age of uh, the the amount of information that has been put out about sex in general in the last ten years mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. probably equal to the last sixty. Yeah. Yeah, not. for sure. I mean, porn studies, mm-hmm. right? Now that's the newest. Uh, rage the fact that in you academia. can even you know that you can study porn in a clinical academic situation and not get like the scorn and, and you know that porn is, is being accepted acceptable enough to be studied mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but way back then um <laughs> that was not happening so uh so i started moving towards uh theater actually uh returning to theater i was always uh in, very theatrically engaged when i was younger <laughs> and um and wow, that does not pay. <laughs> um, and so just sort of a combination of things where I'd already been exploring privately um, SM. I, you know, had always been kind of what we would call kinky now. Um, tying lovers up and sticking things in them and spanking <laughs> them and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and always very like curious to try things, you know, always very, you know, I consider myself adventuresome more than kinky, but apparently there are people who will disagree with that, so, (laughs) um, so yeah, it had always been there, you know, 
Um, and then started the exploration by, and this was really the advent of the inter- internet. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have done. Well, I kind of do because I, I would look at um, um, bill, uh, bulletin boards and look for announcements and things. And, and when I came out, technically, uh, I was living in Paris at the time. And that was that story yeah. that you heard at Body Storytelling. Maybe I'll tell that at some point uh, today story. if you guys want to hear it. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was through, like, an announcement that I found on a bulletin board at a GLBT, you know. Not, it wasn't even GLBT back then. I think it was probably a gay and lesbian bookstore. Mm. Um, you know, and I'd, like, held on to it for secretly for, like, two months and you know, <laughs> had the date etched in my calendar and the whole, whole nine yards. But... Um, but yeah, when I when I moved back to well, then I moved to Australia and I continued, and I just felt like there was so much. Um, to me, SNM, although it's like kinky and SNM is all very fun and very funny and interesting and 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 it brings a lot to the table. There's also a lot of space for personal growth. There's a lot of room for. Um, uh, kind of bumping up against things that you may or may not be aware mm-hmm. that are within you. I mean, that's personal growth, of course, but ideally then you get to wake up, you get to check it out and go like, oh, wow, what the hell is this all about? Take stock of the events. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, eventually, little by little, once I discovered, um, uh, I started working with a, a professional back in, in Chicago, um, Mistress Kitty. Um who I learned a lot on of, you know, what not to do actually in scene. <laughs> she was great. She was she was she was a really intense um, ER nurse. Actually, I know a lot of nurses in the scene. Yeah. Found it, interestingly enough. I, like uh, our last guest, uh, Stefan Shai. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. If, yeah, she was out. So I didn't want to say that. But um, but yeah, I know a lot. I know a lot of them. Uh, it, which you know, there's got to be something going on with that too. But side note. Um, yeah, so to make a long story even longer um, <laughs> than getting paid for it, it was just like, oh, I'm, I get to be basically, Have you know, talent, it? director, producer, um, master costumier, you know. Of course, you have to be the schlepper and the cleaner and, <laughs> and all that, yeah. too. All the glamour and yeah. all the schlep. <laughs> but... Um, it just felt like it was a really great calling for me, and uh, and then it, it just became more and more clear that academia didn't seem to be a, a good fit for me, mm. which I'd already known, but I was trying to force it. Yeah, because mm. you know, like academia had an established institution that would you know you could clear path roads to take instead of taking this own you know trailblazing. Yeah, and it, and it legitimizes you. I mean, it's kind of mm. hard to go around in the world saying, you know, people say, "Oh, what do you do?" And you say, "Oh, well, I'm a dominatrix," you know. It doesn't go over very well, generally speaking. It depends on what circles you run in, of course. But even, like, the hippest, most liberal circles where they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, I usually say I'm a sex educator because I educate primarily these Mm. days. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, I say that I'm a sex educator even to, like, you know, pretty liberal people unless they're also sex sex educators. They tend to kind of go, oh, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) That's... Yeah, like the most common. Or, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. How does that work? Interesting. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of kind of not, you know, not as glamorous as it might sound. Does it seem like it's getting more openly accepted, though, when you tell people what you do? Or is it still, like, the same as it has been for 
a while. I live in the bubble of San yeah. Francisco yeah. now. I don't really know what it's like in the rest of the real world. I can't imagine it would be pretty much, you know, the same. A weird because yeah. it's weird enough here. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, I mean, I think when I was younger, um, you know, I've, I've always had this little bit of an anarchist in me, um, uh, which in fact is what led me to Tantra, because if you know a little bit about Tantra, you know that it's the other path. It's not sort of the mainstream beaten path. Um, but yeah, uh, doing doing the other path, doing kind of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this thing mm-hmm. and it's going to be cool. I'm going to be great and it's going to be amazing and it was all of that it is all of that but there is that part where even 15 years down the road I don't feel necessarily legitimized by society I feel validated in my own existence yeah but still trying to eke out a little bit of you know like a fence against them almost you're like this is my world you if you don't like it there's the door Mm. I used to be a little bit more that way yeah yeah I'm a lot more forgiving now yeah, more indoctrinating instead of defensive. Perhaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was ju- sitting here, one of the things that came to mind was a project you worked on a long time ago, Dominatrix Waitrix. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's a, uh, a cute little sci-fi film <laughs> back uh, in Chicago days. I just, did anything ever come up, come of that? I mean, I remember I was there for the preview. And this was this is a project that I think if, like would have been would have blown up today on a kickstarter mm-hmm. or in something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where then it was just you know you only had the people that you could physically get your hands on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned something about being a sort of a pioneer i, I feel like so many of the projects that i did back then would mm-hmm. be kind of you know revolutionary now but they were like a little some of them were almost too early or something mm-hmm. i don't know now, Dominatrix Waitrix uh, was a concept that came up from uh, Edith Edit, Stacey Goldate, who's in L.A. now. She's still doing film work. Oh, good. Doing very different film work, though. But <clears throat> it's a great project, great piece. Uh, you're right. It's a, 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 a what do you call it, a um, contemporary sci-fi sex uh, romp, I think it's called. Yeah, romp was the word that came to mind. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun to do. And, yeah, it didn't, it, you know, it's it's still out there. People can yeah. buy it. Um um, and it's a great video. It's kind of a queer cult classic, queer kink cult classic. Uh, I still have my pin. You have your pin, <laughs> yeah. That's, I bet you do. That's so cute. I remember those. Red and black, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it is. I re- just rewatched it myself recently and was pleased as punch. I was like, oh, this thing kind of stands up because it's just so weird, you know? <laughs> so I know some people who they love their copies. They keep their copies around and they show them to friends and... Yeah, keep up with Dominatrix Waitrix. That was that project. That was a while ago, yeah. Yeah, because that, that was when I was uh, hosting Spy Bar, because I remember that's how I oh, kind of right. got mm-hmm. pulled into that to help promote. And be like, hey, you're managing a nightclub, a, a fetish night. Let's see what we could do to cross-promote and get everyone happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've always been work. I always try to work towards the win-win to try and, like, you know, do what we can to help everyone grow. Yes. Yes, I think it's really important for us to kind of uh, be supportive. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. always, I'm, I've always been supportive of, of my fellow professionals as well, and I feel very strongly about that because it's a business that tends to be a little um, uh, competitive, and um, and it's kind of like a magic school out there. You're, you, you know, if if you're lucky, you get trained uh, maybe by some remote house that may or may not 
you know have decent standards and yeah it's really hard to find mentorship and mm-hmm. and and good skillful caring professionals so um i take that part kind of seriously so i That's got good. i got i got a lot of youngins in my life <laughs> because of it <laughs> Sometimes it does scare me because a lot of people think that they can just go out there and do the types of play like you're, you know, sounding and stuff like that. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, what are you doing? Well, I saw this on a porn, so I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I, you know, all I watch is, you know, kink.com so I can do all of that. Mm-hmm. And it just really sounds really dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that especially you being an educator, you probably see stuff like that and you're like, oh, man, what is <laughs> Well, I've I've had more experience like live with um, clients coming in and saying like, oh, I had this experience mm-hmm. like, five years ago, and mm-hmm. you know, she said she knew what she was, she was doing, and then you know, there's blood flying everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and I don't even want to ask questions like, you know, well, are you sure the dilator was autoclaved? <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I just kind of go, oh shit, okay, well, welcome back, and let's see how we can make this experience less traumatizing mm-hmm. for you. So what type of things do you think would be, like, if you could name off five things that should not be done without training in casual play, which, what would they be? Top five dangerous do not do without training. Um, well, definitely sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if that all gets lumped together, sounding, urethral dilation, and catheterization, if they all get in the same category, if those mm-hmm. are three separate categories. Um, Whatever, if you if you don't have a full list of five, then we can take them off the separate. <laughs> <laughs> Just start naming a bunch, yeah. and then we could, I mean, suspension, yeah. hello. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so, suspension, sorry. Um, I, I did a performance at uh, Marquis, it was a, a Hubbard Street restaurant, kind of hoity-toity, and we did a show, this is back in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Randolph Street. Right. And, um, oh. And I was, oh, I forget who I was working with, but I was like, I wanted to do suspension, and I emailed Midori, who I'd, I'd only met backstage once from uh, another show at the Double Door. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I had this show concept, and I want to do a, a suspension. She said, Have you worked with. <laughs> no. They <laughs> said, Just don't just jump out and doing this. And so I wound up doing a partial suspension, which was a lot safer and mm-hmm, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. just like, I was like, yeah, I just remember the email. I, I wish I had it still because I've done some lost account. But just like, mm-hmm. the majority was like, very kindly and gently said, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would say <clears throat> single tails yeah. um, are up there. Mm-hmm. Caning. I mean, if you're going to do a good and proper caning, um, that should be taught. Um, I mean, there's really nothing I would say that shouldn't be taught, but danger, danger. Um, probably most corporal implements and or anything that's going to potentially break skin. Yeah. Mm. And especially learning the after here to follow that, I think is really important. Because a lot of people will break skin and just leave it. Leave but, it be. <coughs> but <laughs> but I would argue that, that, that most... Um, um, kind of intense um, trauma and or experiences that, 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 that leave people, you know, really uh, kind of screwed up for a while or having to <laughs> sort things out tend to be more in the psychological department. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that as um, dominance, it's, uh, we have a lot of responsibility to ensure that our tops, I mean, our <laughs> bottoms are <laughs> submissives. 
are, um, you know, well looked after. At the same mm-hmm. time, I don't think we should take complete responsibility for every fart in the world that they <laughs> exactly you know, yeah. have. But there's this, there's a there's a middle ground in there, and I think that psychologically, what I have noted is. Um, um, people going really far because they get very excited mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, this is a great get that thing. that adrenaline like, rush going. Yeah, and then they like go really far and really deep. And when I mm-hmm. say far and deep, I mean like deep into psychological play. Like, I am your master. You will do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, I am your daddy. And, mm-hmm. You know, and then especially when you're talking about age play and, and I would say primarily daddy girl because you don't see a lot of mommy um, age play out there and I know as an age player. Um you know, especially daddy girl where the, 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 the girl then, you know, she kind of tends to get very regressive and, and very dependent. And then, and daddy still thinks of the relationship, I think in some ways is, um, is very mature adults yeah, and doesn't take the time to ensure that we're taking separate time to do these things. Mm-hmm. So that, and I think that what can happen is she can really become so interdependent on that relationship, codependent really. Yeah, that you know, it's it's just a recipe for a psychological disaster sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, I just encourage any dominance, um, especially male dominance who are playing with 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 age play with daddy play, to be very considerate and thoughtful around the power of your actions and your words with your yes. your person. Speaking of which, I'll do a little plug. Um, our next erotic dominance intensive for men is coming up. Mine and Cleo Dubois. And so that's for men. So yeah. that's why I thought, oh, I should mention that because we, I think we have just like one seat or space left. And that's at the end of November, November, weekend of November 20th. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love teaching guys. I, don't, I don't, definitely don't mean to dog any guys out there if I'm saying that. I'm just saying that I think that what happens is um, societally. Well, yeah, there's a different cultural programming that comes with the mother and father roles. Mm-hmm. And that when you start playing with those roles, you're playing with an established program given to us by the yeah. culture mm-hmm. that is very much have, you know, se- separate gender roles. And it's not, you know, it's not speaking to the individual's gender or, but the programmed roles. Right. And, and for some reason, this society has programmed the, the daddy with, you know, the breadwinner has all the power, mm-hmm. you know, daddy knows best and all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so having that emotional weight from society and bringing that into play, you know, that could slip and get dropped on somebody's emotional ego foot. Yeah, exactly. Emotional ego foot. I like that. I'm very foot centric right now. For some strange <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to kick it. <laughs> Since I seem to be a foot short. <laughs> I know from experience for me, like doing daddy, baby girl play or, or, cause I'm very into daddy girl and humiliation and mm-hmm. stuff like that mixed all in like mm-hmm. this big bubble. Mm-hmm. But it's really nice for me to be able to have that time to be a brat, you know, not to mm-hmm. be always like, you know, yes, daddy, no daddy, but actually have a time where I can be defiant and like actually be me and not feel like I have to obey every single thing. Sure. And that gives me my time to really like, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, okay and he's still here you know he's not giving me a hard time mm-hmm. I can just be a brat well, <laughs> yeah, well actually it's one of the one of the role plays I like is the uh, daddy is the bottom mm. daddy's little girl gets everything she wants see I, I've tried to do that and it just doesn't work for me I really like to just have my boundaries I like to have my mm-hmm. you know this is what you're going to do and this is what you're not going to do but I don't like it to be permanent. I don't like it to be all the time. I like to have certain days yeah. of the week where I can be that baby girl and let me be independent mm. after that. Mm-hmm. It's just, 
can't be a 24-7 thing for me. <laughs> no way. It gets intense because I'm so eager to please that it exhausts me, you know, which is why I have to take those days where I can be that baby girl and give everything I have and just end it after a while. It's written into all of my contracts for negotiating relationships or, and if it's not if we don't have a written contract we definitely talk about it I like right. yeah I uh, enforce um, separate time mm-hmm. you know and also like meeting up with peers who have similar interests like if yeah. you're in a DS relationship and, and you're a submissive and you really you know you need other submissives to bounce things off with from time to time so like backstage time instead of front stage time with your roles yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. <coughs> I don't know, you know, my, my submissives are also my confidants, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm just like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be looking to my submissive right now. No offense to them, but, like, mm-hmm. I should be looking to another dominant for this particular bit of insight or information that I'm working around. Yeah. Yep. Kind of like the peer review instead of a, a power imbalance review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always important that we defer to the expert, mm-hmm. right? That's what I call it, deferring to the expert. So if my submissive, I mean, for example, my boy Mid- Madsen Minax, who some people may know out there, um, we've had a mommy-boy relationship for many, many years, actually, since Dominatrix Waitrix, so a little while. Oh, wow. One, and, or, two, one uh, or two years. Yeah, <laughs> one or two years. Um, well, this, this month, October, is my arrival month. So this marks me being in San Francisco for nine years now. Wow, nine years. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, like I feel like I bl- at times blinked. It's like, what happened? I was this mm-hmm. young thirty-something coming into the town. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be seven for me. That was a, quite a blink yeah. too. Hello. I guess we blink. must be having fun because the time flies. <laughs> flown. Has nothing to do with age. Um, <laughs> nothing. Not at all. But yeah, we discovered Matson is a is a fabulous artist and a musician and and you know very creative. But we also learned that he's. Um, incredibly skillful at math, mm-hmm. so or particularly accounting and mm-hmm. and bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. And so, in our relationship, uh, when we lived together, that is, uh, he did all my books, and you know, I could just check in with him on <laughs> what my budget was <laughs> for the week or the month or whatever. And that was genius. I loved it. That is very convenient. It was very convenient. <laughs> I miss it. Convenience is sometimes awesome. I had a partner who built websites. So when I, three years ago, had to build my website, he could do it for me. And I was like, whoa, you help me, I help you, let's do this. All right. Well, one of the <laughs> lady friends that I'm seeing now is a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. And she's helped me, she was helping me wrap up um, the second life of the cafe. Because we're now in the third life of the cafe. Oh. Um, and try and put that all together. And then she wound up having to take a step back because she was having some problems Basically, she's going to a surgery next week to help get those all fixed, and it's kind of a major deal. But for the last uh, several months, we haven't been able to do any play together because her body says no. Right. Mm. But I just like, wait a minute, you got me addicted to your bookkeeping help, and now I'm on back on my own, and I'm still lost. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, <laughs> it's my own fault for getting addicted to somebody's help. No, I and mean, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't seek her out as a bookkeeper. I didn't know she was a bookkeeper until after we had started seeing each other. And I didn't even. I did not. The last thing I want to do is like, oh, you're a professional. What I need help for? I did not ask for help. I didn't glom on that. But 
she was like one of those nice people that offered and was like, all right, you've offered. I can't say no. Please yeah. <laughs> no, you, you know, it's kind of like the love of your life when you meet the perfect b- bookkeeper. I've, I've never <laughs> met one since. <laughs> been here like i said for almost seven years well, the <coughs> surgery goes it. well <laughs> right <laughs> no, i'm kidding she, she was probably listening to this in the snickering i was I wondering hope. i'm like oh <laughs> well, we'll listen to it hello i hope you're doing well out there wherever you are <laughs> so what type of things do you like to do around san francisco what do you enjoy yeah, why did i know that i why do you love what what brought what you kept coming you said you were coming back for helping with cleo but why'd you make the move what 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 sold you on SF? Um, my short answer is um, quality of life. Um, you know, if anyone has lived in Chicago, they know the weather is slightly different. Uh, um, yeah, I admit, not having the sensation of my snot freezing is a glorious thing. <laughs> I have never been that cold. That must be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Trying yeah. it once is okay, so you know what it's like. But you know, okay. living it every winter. <laughs> yeah, and and it's also the heat too. I'm not much of a so you go, we go from like super hot to super cold in Chicago. I always say there's only two, two uh, seasons, really. Um, so, yeah, there's a seasonal thing. And so, so May is a gorgeous time of year. May is a great month. And it's like, you know, every year I go back to Chicago for Shibari Khan in May. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect time to go. To roll around in my native soil and then get back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've got the ocean here. I mean, geographically, it's also really beautiful. We're in the mecca of, of sexual revolution. Um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, on and on and the on. Sex Quality of life. Quality of life. I don't think you remember, but I actually met you within my first, I think, month in the city. Uh, one of my friends took me to a burlesque show, and you were there, and I met uh, you there. Yeah, that little, that tiny little place. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I rem- it was a tiny show. I remember. Yeah, it was over on Polk Street. <laughs> yep, that's funny. Oh, you've just been here for a couple of years. That was just a couple of years ago. That was a year. I was like actually, almost, yeah, a, year, a little over a year ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now I remember you. Yeah, I had really I short hair your face then. Familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had like no hair at the time. I thought wasn't that no, when it was you had gone, the, the yeah. tie-down hair? I had really, and I used to wear these headdresses. But now it's growing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. bangs again. I do have bangs again. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so you. Oh, so what do I like to do around town? Yeah. Um, Besides going to burlesque show, body storytelling. There's yeah. some good burlesque in this city. Uh-huh. There's some really good burlesque. Um, uh, wow. I like to go down by the water. I love to sail. I started sailing since I moved out here. Mm. I really love sailing. It's good. I, I've. I grew up, my dad had a sailboat, and I grew up sailing. Oh. But I haven't, like, you know, I grew up also doing skiing. I've done none of that since I came out here. All right, right, right. Yeah, I've actually gone skiing um, one and only one time. <laughs> and it was out here. It was, uh, you know, Lake Tahoe. Um, but no, I really picked up on, on sailing. Love that uh, quite a bit. Um, anything that's, like, by the water and fresh air makes me a happy woman. I think that sailing for me is like yoga on the water. Yeah. Um, I like yoga. <laughs> um, I like riding my bike, but I'm not like a crazy bike rider like San Francisco. Just People a cruiser. Be, yeah, I'm just you know. So you don't have a fixie. No, I don't. <laughs> I, no, in my yeah, my bike has brakes. Right. Um, 
It's not fancy. I mean, I guess one of... I have two bi- bicycles. And I guess one of them does count as a fixie because it's one of those mini penny farthing ones, little bone shakers. And because it, it's just a pedal and a big wheel. No. <laughs> but you don't go as fast. Because it's, it's one of the little ones. It's, you know, it's not like a real... I can picture you riding it. I'm sure you look quite chic. This is a San Francisco <laughs> moment. So when I lived over in Knob Hill, they have quite um, um, big hills. And um, I was walking somewhere one day, and it was a very, very, very steep hill. And um, there was a young man riding his 10-speed on a steep hill, riding upwards without any hands, smoking a cigarette. And I thought that was a very San Francisco moving moment. Moving slowly? He was moving pretty slowly. I mean, his feet, I, I imagine his feet were like pedaling. He was working, but, you know, he was looking pretty sort of like, yeah, I just do this all the time. I just <laughs> ride up hills Probably have great on my legs. bicycle, smoking cigarettes and looking cool. Probably has great legs. And the smoking cigarette part doesn't make sense to most people who know anything about San Francisco. They're like, nobody smokes in San Francisco. No, nicotine anyway. Um, mm. But there is that part of the San Francisco culture of like, it's very urban, you know, it sort of um, reminds me of Manhattan, you know, old school Manhattan. It's like, fuck you, I'm going to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I say that with all due respect, San Francisco. <laughs> Sincerely. How did I get off on that? Um, oh, what do I like to do? I obviously, I like a little pe- people watching from time to time. This is a good time for that. Mm-hmm. Great views, beautiful views mm. around the city. Um... Yeah, I love eating oysters. Actually, I've never tried oysters the, I was going to say, the first time I tried oysters was when we went out to dinner in Chicago when I was, um, oh, God, I'm horribly blanking her name now. Um, Lena? Lena was the woman that I was wanting to date. Mm-hmm, my, sub- my, my first girl submissive. Aww. <laughs> Masochist. I, I have to say, that was a very intense dinner. Was it? <laughs> yes, because I was going out to dinner with Lena and you under uh, the microscope because uh-huh. I, I was pretty much you were under inspection yes was, was <laughs> I going to be good enough for your girl yeah I don't remember being too worried about it I remember mm-hmm. it just being a pleasant dinner mm-hmm. but you know what? yeah I you're I was much younger and you're I've always been intimidating <laughs> so I've been told <laughs> I was intimidated before this mm-hmm. I was oh but it's a good intimidation. It's not fear. It's more of just like, what are we going to talk about? How well, far can she go? Let's <laughs> it was that type of intimidation. Hmm. You're always one of the people I've known of great confidence. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's yeah. what's the, what gives you that aura is that, mm-hmm. you know, you're even next. You'll do what you want to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I like it that I uh, can present that way. I mean, we all have our areas of low self-esteem and all that mm-hmm. but I think you know at some point in my childhood it just seemed like if you're not going to be confident about what you're doing then why bother or something mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. some switch turned on for you in the next yeah. week, in the rest of your life I think everything happened when I was eight I swear like hmm. I have so many stories I go well you know when I was eight that's when I would beat the boys up on the playground and they would give me trinkets and toys <laughs> oh wow <laughs> take my traffic guard shift for me and things like that like, Here, oh, I was eight that year, wasn't I? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just claim everything was eight, and it was actually between the ages of seven and ten. <coughs> but um, <laughs> all kinds of little revelations at eight that I, that I you know, look Tribute back on now me. and go, oh, yeah, that contributed to this personality, didn't it? <laughs> one, yeah. of, one of them is 
I did something similar in the army, actually. When I was a really hot, young private, all the boys would be like, let me take you on a date and I'll do your laundry after. And I'm like, oh. Chores for dates? Yes. What would they do? They would just want to do things for me, like laundry. And I would be like super dominant with them and they would love it because army boys, I mean, all I would have to do is like be really rough with them and they would love it. I don't know why army boys love to be topped. Oh, man. It you know, seems. so I almost joined the Army. I was in for a while. It was really fun. How long? <laughs> eight years. Oh, you did eight. It was cute. <laughs> so um, I'll tell you my Army story because I've never told this story publicly before. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> when I was a wee lass from the town, not Chicago, which is where I'm originally from, and I'm not going to mention now, um, I had a boyfriend. And I'd just gotten out of high school, and um, uh, remember that thing I told you about being the first to graduate high school? Mm. Well, mm. I was going to go on to college, I had decided, because, you know, that's what we had decided that was going to happen. That's what comes after high school, right? Oh, <laughs> well, it uh, turned out that there was, you know, no money for that, and didn't, we didn't plan around that because nobody knew how to go to college in my family. So um, I decided to join the Army because they, of the GI Bill. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, uh, his father was a sergeant major in the reserve. So um, I showed up at his office and, uh, well, first of all, I took the test. And that test, I have to say, oh, my God, how easy is that test? It's pretty easy. It was (laughs) so ridiculously easy. Like every section I was just finished, you know, (laughs) looking around and waiting. You know, I had to wait like another 20 minutes for the time to be up. It was pretty astonishing. But um, I don't know. I haven't taken it since then, so um, hopefully I'm not insulting anyone out there. But um, but it seemed really easy to me at the time. Anyway, so uh, uh, I go to his office, and um, basically I think he took one look at me. And even though I was a major tomboy, as I showed you, and I showed mm-hmm. uh, these guys some pictures beforehand of me, you know, dressed in man. all boys' clothes because that's all I wore for years and years and years. But at that point in my life, I was a little bit more what we would call femi, a lot more femi. Mm. And uh, I think he probably took one look at me and was like, what the hell is she going to do in the Army? Um, So he pretty much said, what the hell are you going to do in the Army? And I told him about the GI Bill. And all right, so here's the big revelation. You guys ready? He looked at me and he says, have you ever waited tables? (laughs) And I said, no. And he said, would you be interested in waiting tables? And I said, yes, because I was a little bit scared of the army. Mm -hmm. I said, well, my wife works at a Denny's by the airport. And he got me a job working the graveyard shift my senior year of high school at Denny's. So I would work 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Then I would go to uh, school from 8.30 to like 12. And then I had a lunch job after that. So... There you go. I worked at Denny's instead of joining the army. But oh, wow. That's the punchline. <laughs> and uh, and I wore brown polyester. Yes, I did. And I wore oh, nylons. I, I wore suntan legs, eggs, legs in the, legs in the egg. I, I have a hard time believing you in polyester. <laughs> Except for like, you know, I've so got one photograph. I've got proof. I didn't bring it. <laughs> Darn. So, <laughs> I do have proof. So that, I'm sure that just shot everyone's... Um, so um, you kind of glamour of, scale of me way into the air. So have you ever thought about that? I mean, like the presumption of that guy? 
Oh, retrospectively, sure, you know, and, and when I hear stories like that, I'm like, oh, man, I would have had guys, like, you know, doing things for me, and I could have learned all kinds of cool shit, and I mm-hmm. would have gotten the GI Bill, and I wouldn't have, you know, uh, all the student loans that I now have to pay back. Sure, sure, sure. All of that sounds really great to me. Mm-hmm. Mm, but I, I was, I was, you know, I was a little scared of, of being told to get up every day at 5 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> I needed that. I needed to have someone tell me what to do because I did not do well in high school. I had no fear of authority at all. So once I learned, like, this is what you're going to do and it's 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 black and white, mm-hmm. I, I shone, like, flying colors mm-hmm. in the Army. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just really good at doing what I'm told, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's nice that, to know. That, that uh, was making me think of um, my mother who has a PhD in religious philosophy emphasis on feminine theology. Okay. Um, when she moved out of Chicago uh, regional area, she applied for the TSA. And she didn't qualify for the TSA. Mm. And I think basically they decided that she was too overeducated mm. and not one to take orders well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, you know, I'm wondering if it was, if uh, know, what side of things it I could have been. I have no idea. He had all the results, right. you know, in front of him. Maybe it did say yeah. something like that. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty service driven. I'm like, mm-hmm. really, yeah. that's another reason why I think I'm such a decent dominant <laughs> is because, uh, because to me, service is really important yep. uh, all the way around. I'm in service to the relationship mm-hmm. as much as any submissive or any other person I'm with yep. is in, you know, service to me or, into, you know. So, but, you know, having said that, you know, I, I definitely have hardly worked for anyone else in my mm-hmm. entire life, mm-hmm. even though I started working at 14. Hmm. Um, I've done most of my work self-employed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there was something to be said about, like... There's some personalities that just don't make it in the military because they're really strong-headed. I mean... I would never argue with anyone, but it would it would crush me on the inside. Oh, like, yeah. I would definitely yeah. find my first way out. I think once I found my place of being lower ranking and mm-hmm. having to, like, respect people even one rank above me, it just became really comfortable for me. But I know other people, defiance is normal. Right. So, I mean, I mean you know, obviously this guy was a professional recruiter, which meant that he had he made little bits of information to make snap decisions on people mm-hmm. that affected people's lives from then on. And so I just, I wonder, you know, I wonder what his thought process was. And he had Some, an investment, you yeah. know. I mean, I was his... Some recruiters, though, like son's girlfriend, I guess. If they have a quota, though, some recruiters, once they make their quota, they actually don't push as hard to pull people in. So I'm, I'm, t- I'm guessing that your test scores were so high that he, you probably thought, yeah, this girl can do way better than the army. Hmm. That usually well, means I wanted. He said, he said my test scores were great. You know, that yeah, I could do yeah. anything I wanted, and I said, great, I want to join the air force. And he was like, oh, oh they're not hiring. <laughs> so, yeah. I wanted to fly planes. I oh, wow. And then yeah. I found out later. Uh, well, they had planes in the Navy. I mean, yeah. I could have done yeah. anything. I didn't know. I was like, uh, Army? Planes? Oh. oh, the Army. That would have been intense. Yeah. Ooh, we can get into that later. <laughs> the training you have to... I went through the training that pilots have to go through, the SEER training, and it's basically like being locked in a box and taken out and interrogated and beaten for two weeks. I mean, that it's trained to that be a prisoner. You are trained to be that? a prisoner. For two <laughs> I actually have a fetish because of it. When I went yeah. through it, in the army it was terrifying but now that i'm out and it's been a while i'm like i need to do that again <laughs> let's do it <laughs> but um that's probably why i have such like weird fetishes of confinement is because mm. of that training hmm. 
but that that's usually what pilots have to do is go through a training that you have to be a prisoner for two weeks. First, you have to run away. They catch you, and they will catch you. Right. And then they just torture and interrogate you for two weeks. Wow. Yeah. That sounds really intense. It is intense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to think I was worried about being woken up at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's not an issue. <laughs> the issue is that training. Because you don't even get to sleep. If you, I mean, it's sleep deprivation. It's everything. You're in this little box on your, like, sort of crouching. You can't stand and you can't really lay down. Mm-hmm. And you just have to stay that way. And it's just really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But. Still sounds exciting right about now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think that if I could relive to sort of that, I would. I'm just sure. guessing you'd like to get your hands on that manual, that training manual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I could, I could write it down, and it would mm-hmm. be awesome. But well, I mean, it, I, I'm assuming that if it is standard procedure for training, there has got to be a manual for it. Oh yeah, yeah. there definitely is. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. it's completely confidential to me. I right. don't have the clearance to even yeah. pull that out. But I mean, there was three different levels. I was on the the easiest level because I was female. <laughs> But I know that special forces and like seer, not seer, seals and stuff, they go mm-hmm. through the hardest one mm-hmm. um, where they can actually like break bones and stuff to see if you'll crack and give up information. But I didn't have any broken bones. I just got slapped in the face a couple times. But I'd be really good at, I can. I'm, they I can hire civilians to do that. They hire civilians to do the training for that. I can definitely contain information for, yeah, without cracking. I, I think know. for me, like, when I got hungry, it got difficult. Mm. Yeah, hungry. Because yeah. mm. they, they give you, I mean, it was... It was I do know you like your food. I love my food. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, actually, going back, I think you were one of the first, uh, uh, I don't want to quite say gourmet, but one of the, like, one of the first people foodies. that I, one of the first foodies I, like, met and started hanging out with, or, and just, like, just... Like the the going back to that that one dinner date that was a restaurant that was like above, above anything that I'd gone to, <laughs> which could have added to like you know fish out of water feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely was out of my comfort zone that I night. I just remember us meeting at a place. Wasn't it called Charlie's? That I place over in Clark Street. I don't. I don't remember the restaurant. But it is true. I love food and I love cooking, and mm. so I always say I have the curse. You know, because mm. some people love love to cook and and they're not so hungry all the time. And vice versa, but no, I got the curse. But I love, love, love cooking. Made a lot of fun things over the past couple of weeks. Made pizza last mm-hmm. night, four different kinds. Uh, I even took a extra pizza dough and made a cinnamon roll out of it for guests because people like things like that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not my normal kind of fare, but I did make a mm, made some really fun things last week. I'm trying to remember. Trying to make us hungry. Yeah. I made a beautiful buttermilk um, fried chicken dinner mm-hmm. for a friend of mine's birthday with garlic mash and chicken gravy and all that good stuff. <laughs> Home cooking. Mm. That's what I'm into these days. Mm. Living in North Carolina makes me miss the food sometimes. Well, it's like, I mean, one of the things, uh, growing up, my mother did a lot of home cooking as well, mm-hmm. and she ba- baked a lot of bread. But as a little kid, all I wanted was this stupid white store-bought bread mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and always got the home-cooked bread. And mm-hmm. then as an adult, mom, do you have an extra loaf of bread? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, I'd do anything for my mom's bread. Mm. Now I have to go all the way to, you know, she lives in Arkansas now. 
Oh, I just drove through there. That was really pretty. Yeah, I, I have liked my visits down there. There, uh, the Buffalo River. It's gorgeous. It's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we are at the end of the first segment of this. Um, so again, this is Psycho Kitty, your host, and Rue. Hello. We'll be back. And so, Shortly. for those of us, those of you joining us on the live raw feed, we'll be back in about a half out, twenty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. How much? We'll 15, be back. 10, 15. We'll be back about fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of us listening on iTunes and TuneIn and all the other places in the segment, you'll hear us in two weeks. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, anything you want? You said you got the. Uh, intensive coming up and that was at the end of november the end of november so if you're hearing this you'll be able to find it on the web yeah that's under smarts.com so s as in sado m as in masochism and then dash um arts a-r-t-s what's dashing <laughs> it's dashing. Um, I also am going to be roasted, but I guess we can talk about that when we come back. Ooh. Is that when is that? Uh, November eighth, I believe. Here in San Francisco. Where at? I I'll look know. that information up okay. during our break. How about All right. that? All right. Well, thank you for coming, oh. and um, we we'll, will we'll talk to you in a couple minutes. But talk to everyone else in two weeks. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 